Hello, and welcome back to K-Drama Rants. My name is Melanie, and I like to rant about K-dramas. Today, I will be talking about Extraordinary Attorney Wu, Episode 3. Buckle up, because I got mad several times during this episode. This episode starts in a very dramatic way. We meet a young autistic man basically beating his brother to death. So just let that sink in for a sec. Their parents walk into the home after what I assume to be a night out, and they look like a well-off family. The parents are very well-dressed. The home looks immaculate. And while they are coming inside, they're calling out for the boys. They receive no response, but they do hear a thud and some yelling coming from the young man. They go in the direction of the noise and walk into the older boy's room to find the scene of the younger one beating the older one. They try to snap him out of it, but it's too late. The younger brother is bleeding and not breathing. Then the autistic man starts yelling, stop, die, hadama, tunanda, very many times. This is the first time I'm already getting angry because I already don't like this. Because people with autism are already othered enough and we absolutely do not need another story of an autistic person who was violent with others. I looked this up because I'm actually pretty passionate about this and from the NIH, people with autism are more likely to be victims of aggression than perpetrators, so I'm already mad. And when they are violent, there is usually some other comorbidity present, like some other mental illness, not just autism. I think there's still some research to be done, depending on the level of independence a person has. Specifically, if someone is less verbal, their ability to communicate what is making them upset is limited to more physical actions, which does not necessarily mean violence. Just saying. And a side note to the side note, in a lot of these studies, the researchers can refer to people on the spectrum as unable to communicate, which is fucking bonkers to me because these people aren't brain dead. They just don't have the ability to communicate verbally, which if you've ever met anyone who's nonverbal, they're very much communicative, but it's more of an answer and response or some other form of communication like a tablet or something else. Not that they're incapable of communicating. Anyway, the autistic man is named Jung Hun. He is massive. He's a big boy. He's hella tall, mad chunky. His brother's name is Sang Hun, and the parents, again, try helping, but it's too late. So that's the case that we're going to be working on today. Then we cut to attorney Wu looking real proud at her very own nameplate, which, like, girly, I get it. Tweedledee stops by and offers to take a picture of her with it, but it becomes very awkward when Wu doesn't really smile or look at the camera and Tweedledee doesn't really know how to handle that. But they're cut short when Jung calls Wu in order to get her to work on the murder case with him. So she goes over to Jung and this is the time when we find out that the dad of Jung Hoon is a chairman of Song Jun Pharmaceuticals, an existing client of Hanbada or Hanbada. I still haven't figured that out. The cause of death is thoracic trauma, which caused the ribs to break and internal bleeding. There's a mark on his neck, remember that. Let's call this foreshadowing. 
which they deem insignificant because it's very faint. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. The fractures on the front ribs can be explained by CPR, but the rest of the injuries are harder to explain by anything other than assault, so they're going with assault. And we also find out that my man was wasted at the time of death. Obviously, Attorney Jung's reasoning for wanting Wu around is that Wu has autism and our defendant has autism. Perfect. Like that was literally the extent of his reasoning for this. Fine, sure, whatever. Um, he also suggests that the chairman would be happy to know that she would be working on the case. We later find out this is not the case. And he's, you know, completely ignoring the fact that everybody with autism is different, except in the very generic behaviors that autistic people exhibit, which is like deficit in social communication. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? That's not really a symptom. There's like a lot of other things that you have to hit in the DSM-5, but you know, it's vague. It's not, <laughs> it's not a super strict diagnosis. She reads his psych eval and notes that he is nonverbal which is very different from her because she's clearly verbal even if she's not very good at it. Obviously, she relates this to whales and just gives us whale facts saying that different types of whales are very different from each other and it's like kind of similar to autism in that way because like they're still whales, they're very, very different. And she notes that he's developmentally between the ages of six and 10. Again, very different from her. As far as we can tell, she doesn't have that kind of developmental stunting. Jung suggests that they meet the defendant's parents first before they make a decision on it and before Wu decides to like work on it I guess. So we cut to them sitting at a table with the parents and they look amazed, stunned, dumbstruck that an autistic woman is a lawyer which again does not seem likely that there's only one of them. I do not think autism would actually prevent any level one autistic folk. Level one is people with fewer support needs, so it's unlikely to me that someone at level one would not have become a lawyer already, maybe undiagnosed, but anyway. We see them introducing themselves, and I'm probably going to stop mentioning this moving forward because you can just assume that every time attorney Wu introduces herself, she does the thing letting people know that her name is a palindrome. And so they sit down and they start having a conversation about the facts of the case. And Jung asks them about the words that Jung Hoon was repeating the night that Sung Hoon died. And the mom says that's all they can get from him. Like, just stop, die, hajima, jininfa. He asks about the relationship between the two boys and the parents claim there was nothing wrong with it. And it was actually pretty good, like Sung Hoon was in med school and he was busy, but before that, he would hang out with his brother regularly. The dad is a man I do not like, calls Sung Hoon perfect. So, you know, love that. Okay, I see how it's gonna be. This man loves his neurotypical son more. That's great, 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 great. The boy, man, I don't know, people in their early 20s are, I guess, children to me now, even though I'm not even that much older than him. He's very smart. He aced the CSAT, uh, which is the college scholastic ability test. So basically the SATs. Wu then asks what I think is a very good question about whether Jung Hoon regularly says those words, but he doesn't. Turns out it just happened after the boy died. He's also not a violent guy. 
and they don't know why Jung-hoon would do this. The mom is shaken, but not really the dad. Attorney Wu and Jung ask to meet Jung-hoon, the autistic man, and the mom says that they can try, but he's unlikely to talk, and Jung naively thinks that just having an autistic person around will help because that's how that works like i get along with every hispanic person and every autistic person of course of course <laughs> and so it's now lunchtime and a group of people are waiting for the elevator to get to the cafeteria apparently it's taken a while to get here and when it does jun ha sees Wu and forces the people <laughs> in the elevator to wait for her and she is completely oblivious that the boy did this and it's so cute to me that like he's just trying his darndest to make her life easy and she absolutely does not notice <laughs> which is also kind of a relatable thing for me it's hard to tell sometimes that someone is doing something for me rather than it just being something that the person was doing regardless of whether i was around or not so i need you to tell me that you were doing something for me because otherwise unlikely that I'll be able to tell that it was just explicitly for me. And I don't think that this is an autistic only behavior. I think this is, you know, some people are just different levels of oblivious. And he's also super cute about it because everybody else in the elevator is getting mad about it. But he's like, no, I'm gonna wait for my girl because we're gonna have lunch together. They sit down and they do their little lunch date for a while. In fact, she eats kimbap as always. And he's such a good actor because this man absolutely looks like he is a hundred percent just in love with this woman like he is fully like gazing as if like this is the love of his life it is the cutest thing it is so so cute she does not notice at all. She just keeps talking. And then a little bit in the back, there's Tweedledee and Tweedledum picking up their food for their lunch. And Tweedledee is like, I wish you would just stop bothering him. Like, I can't believe she just keeps talking to him about whales. And Tweedledum is like, I don't know, man, he doesn't seem to mind. Which had not occurred to Tweedledee at all. And she looks absolutely heartbroken by this realization that he does not mind listening to attorney Wu talk about her little whale facts. After lunch, they set up the room to meet with the defendant by making it dark and closing the blinds and turning off the lights. And he walks in front of the windows to the room and they can't really see him yet. You just see his outline and they are quite startled by how large this man is. And Honestly, the sound effects and the music that they play to get him into the room is high-key pretty rude. Like, it's like, dum, 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 as if he was like fee-fi-foaming his way into this room. Anyway, they open the door and we meet him for the first time outside of, you know, beating up his brother. He is very large and pretty sweaty and Jung makes a note of the fact that he's wearing a Pengsu sweater and Pengsu in this universe, I don't actually know if this is a real character, in Korea is this 
penguin thing? Penguin animation? I don't know, it's pretty cute. So they sit down and he won't take off his glasses and sasses his mom about it. And when they start talking, Jung does the really annoying thing that people do when they talk to someone who doesn't speak their language. So they just speak really fucking loud and really fucking slow as if they were deaf. And even then, like, you don't actually need to do that for deaf people. I bet it's harder to lip read if, yeah, I would guess. I don't actually know. I should probably talk to one of my deaf friends. Anyway, so he does that and I'm like already seething. <laughs> Jung-hun starts making penguin noises and these ladies are just like fucking perplexed. They're like, what? what? And the mom does this weird thing to get him to stop making penguin noises and she just puts her hand over his eyes and just says stop, which magically does get him to stop. And instead of easing him into the questioning that they have about the case, Wu, in all her social grace, just straight up asks whether he remembers the night of his brother's death, which would not be my first move, personally. And all the neurotypicals in the room are like, did you really just say that? And Jung-hoon does not react. So she forges forward and asks him whether he beat up his brother. And they wait patiently, hoping that maybe he'll respond. At the very least, for him to just stay quiet. But he starts yelling the words that he was yelling at the night of his death. Wu gets overstimulated when he starts yelling and they fail to get him to calm down. Wu, in order to figure out how to communicate with this guy, goes over to her dad's restaurant and sits down with him while he's pruning his spinach and asks him how to get a autistic person to communicate. And he's like, I will answer you if you help me with the spinach. And she just like says no, which, I could never, I could never turn down a request from my mom. Absolutely not. Especially if it's a reasonable one like that and I'm asking her for help. But okay, you do you, Wu. And so she asks him what it's like, how to communicate. And he tells her that it's lonely to live with her, which is so sad. Like, she's empathetic. We've seen her have emotional reactions to people having a bad time and I'm sure she'll understand what her dad is saying to her and it's just like dude at least be a little bit more diplomatic than just straight up saying I'm lonely living with you like Jesus and he keeps going he keeps talking saying that the reason why he feels lonely is because she doesn't really take an interest in him and we get a flashback to him when she was younger, shutting down his mom's offer to get into the dating pool again. And when he hangs up on her very angrily because he's like, I have Moo to take care of. I can't go and date again. He goes over to Woo, and she's just playing with her Lego on the ground. He steps on one of them and Woo doesn't really care. And like, two things. One is related to the show, which is these various references to Wu's dad's love life is very interesting to me. 
it seems to me like Han and him are going to have a little thumb thumb later on. Because like I think it was in the first episode, she goes and calls him or something or visits him. I don't remember exactly, but I know that they had a little meet cute and Wu in the last episode and him were having a conversation about like when she gets married if she does she wants him to find his own partner so I'm like I keep an eye out on what's going on with Mr. Wu's love life because I am in best Ted two it's unlikely to me very unlikely to me that a child wouldn't even notice that her dad is in pain like even if she doesn't know what to do about it at least she would acknowledge it and look at him <laughs> that he's screaming and crying anyway when he remembers that incident it looks like it really caused him emotional pain and explains to her that in order to get through to someone with autism you kind of have to talk to them about their interests if you know they're not really very verbally communicative people and what he did for her was talk to her about law and I think this is supposed to imply that he used to be a lawyer before Wu which I'm kind of torn about because on the one hand I like that he might have had decided to stop doing that in order to help her very specifically but it seems to me that opening a restaurant would, one, also keep you really fucking busy, and two, not give you enough money to pay someone else to help raise her, and like, you might have been able to get away with reducing your hours at a law firm instead of giving it up entirely, but I mean, we don't actually know yet whether he was a lawyer, not for certain. And then we have another flashback to her having a tantrum outside of a shop and not behaving with the shopkeeper telling her to calm down. But when her dad shows up and tells her that this is a public disturbance and tells her, oh, we're gonna study what the punishment is for a public disturbance, she quiets down and gets interested in what he has to say. And when we cut back to the present, the dad keeps talking, but she's gone because she got what she wanted which is a little sad. I'm a little like that sometimes. If someone tells me what I need to know, it's hard for me to remember that in order to have a normal social interaction, you need to also take an interest in another person. And I try very hard to remember to do that because it doesn't really come naturally to me. Not because I'm completely uninterested, it's just like, oh, I got what I wanted, we can talk about the other thing later, you know? But that, yeah, it was kind of sad to just see her bounce because it is probably the reason why it was sad. It was because like, oh, that's a mirror to my own behavior. I should probably do better at that. What happens next is probably the funniest bit in the whole episode. And I'm gonna put some bets that it's probably pretty up there on the whole season or the whole show because I don't think this is gonna have multiple seasons. Korean dramas often don't. They meet again with Jung Hoon and his mom and this time, Tweedledee is here, and they learn the Pengsu song and dance to try to get him to participate and answer their questions, but 
he gives absolutely zero fucks and just tries to get them to sing the song again. And Wu tries to make a bargain with him. We'll sing the song again, but only if you answer our questions first. And I don't think that's really going to turn out in the way that Wu wants it to. And so she asks him about the facts of the case, and he starts having another meltdown, saying Hajima doing that. But this time, Wu has a realization that uh, Junenda could be used as an action rather than just a verb. So it's not just like, I want you to die. Honestly, I don't understand Korean grammar all that well, but this is what I understood. And she has this realization that maybe the rope marks, which I told you to remember from earlier, are a result of potentially trying to uh, die by suicide. And she asks him, Jung-hun, whether his brother was trying to kill himself on the night of his death. And Jung-hun says yes, but the mom denies it. But all the attorneys are like, but he just said yes, though, I don't understand. And the mom just starts asking unrelated questions just to demonstrate that he's saying yes to everything. And it doesn't really matter what you ask him, he's just going to say yes. And then after that, she's very, I don't know, kind of insulted that they would suggest that Sung-hun would try to kill himself. And so she says, you're never going to talk to my child again and she walks away that was pretty tragic because like i mean i think in general no matter where you are something like suicide is very hard to talk about but i think specifically in a lot of asian countries or maybe not all asian countries but maybe in china and korea and japan as far as i know doing something like that really brings a lot of shame to the family itself rather than just you it's not a taboo because it's such a hard thing to go through per se, but it also is compounded by the fact that it reflects on the family more than I think in other Western countries. So I understand kind of like the cultural reasoning behind it, but also bitch, your son is alive right now. So like, why don't you want to figure this out? Anyway, Attorney Wu is not about to give up that easy. And so she takes Jin Ho to the house where the death happened to check out the older son's room and see if there's any other evidence for her theory that something could have happened there and on the way there a leaf blower starts going off just as they meet and they run into one of jun ho's friends who asks him if he's volunteering with an organization that helps people with disabilities because Wu is covering her ears because of the leaf blower, which is causing her to be overstimulated. And Jun Ho is like, no, 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 this is not like that at all. And she just kind of dismisses him and walks off. But before she does, she does the most condescending quieting I've ever heard. I did not realize you could even say it like that. So in Korean, quieting is the English word fighting, but since they don't have letter sound for F, it becomes fighting. And I was like, I, <laughs> fuck you. He apologizes to Wu after she walks away, but Wu's like, yeah, I get it. Like, I understand why she would think that. And she keeps walking ahead. 
but you know it looks sad as hell that this happened and I just want them to get together already even though I know it's not gonna happen because the pace at which romance happens in K-dramas is only rivaled by period drama romances. All we're gonna get is just some pining looks from him, absolutely nothing from her because that's one of the behaviors of autism. It's like usually reactions to things are not what you expect them to be so we're gonna get nothing from her at least well, 10 episodes probably well, and all we're gonna get is eyes from Junha and I am going to be living for it and also gonna hurt on the inside because it's going to take so long for anything to happen between the two of them and it's fine I'm fine this is fine so they make it to the home and try to recreate the scene, Jun Hall whips out a camera in order to simulate the height of Jung Hoon. So he pulls the camera up and then pulls a little monitor view down so that they can see from his height. And they take a look at the scene and they walk around the room and they find the rope on top of a bookcase. And as he tries to grab it with gloves on, which is very important because I think very often there's a lot of shows that don't follow proper procedure, which this is not at all. This should definitely have been closed off by the police, but since the police just assumes that it was assault from the brother, they didn't really look into it all that much. So I'm glad that they had gloves. That was a nice little touch. He pulls the bookcase over because the rope falls off behind it, and he picks it up and starts putting it into this little Ziploc bag and Wu starts picking up the books and she notices a diary from Sung Hoon, who is the older brother, and she reads his diary and she finds evidence of previous suicide attempts, which she brings to attorney Jung, who then tries to show to the parents, hey, like we found this in his room. This is evidence that he tried to kill himself before. And the parents refuse to believe it until he turns to a specific page where Sung Hoon explicitly states that he had tried an attempt before due to his stress about school and that Jung Hoon had seen him. And the parents' disbelief turns into anger because they think that it will tarnish their son's reputation which, again, this is kind of what I said earlier, that it reflects on the whole family as well. If someone is, you know, seen a certain type of way. I think this is changing a little bit for the younger generations. And I, again, am not Korean. I don't actually have a lot of cultural background. I'm trying to learn because I really like Korean dramas. And I think in order to be able to get them better, it's better if I understand the culture a little bit better. Just like how I learned about American culture. And they refuse to let Attorney Jung and Attorney Wu talk about it during the trial, even though it would help Jung Hoon's case, which is their son who is currently alive, because they don't want that information to get out. They don't want everyone to know that their son was so stressed out about school that he had tried dying by suicide at an earlier time. So I am hella mad, because this is mostly coming from the chairman, the dad in the situation, so I'm fully ready to punch this man. It's on sight with him. And then he further proves that my dislike for him is warranted by blowing up on Wu and calling her autistic, but like in a derog derogatory 
I'm not gonna learn how to say that word properly. It's like salmon. It took me fucking years. Derogatory is what you get. And because she's autistic, she has no right to talk about his sons like that or even use their names. Which I know is a thing in Korean culture that you don't really refer to people by their name. You refer to them by their relation to you. Like for example, I have a friend who is Korean and we were talking about how she didn't know one of her uncle's names for a really long time because she just referred to him as uncle in Korean. And when an American person asked, oh, what's your uncle's name? She was like, I have no clue. <laughs> and that happened to me too when I was a teenager. That's when I learned one of my uncle's names because we just kind of refer to him as uncle or the nickname the family has. And so I understand what he's getting at here. She should refer to them as the victim, but also she's still the attorney. She wants to make sure there's no vagueness in what she's talking about. It feels to me like he's just being really testy about it rather than this being a legitimate situation in which you wouldn't be using the names of the people that you're referring to. So anyway, when he says that she has no right to talk about them like that, he says that he's taking the case away from Hanbada and he's just leaving. Something that I will note about K-dramas is that there is some tonal fucking whiplash all of the time. Like, we don't smoothly make our way from one emotion to the other in a Korean drama. It's like a fucking 180 in the span of like two seconds. <laughs> so we cut to Junho getting home where Tweedledum is at and he's making ramen, but Junho completely ignores his, his question about whether he wants ramen or not and just goes into his room and tries to formulate a text to apologize to Wu for his friend but he never sends it, but he should because we cut to Wu just sitting alone in her office in the dark reading online hate for this case that she is working on. And even reads a specific comment that says, it's a shame that the med student died, but the autistic man lived. Like it is a shame that the med student died, but not because an autistic man lived. Like that's not, the shame part. That's not the sad bit. So she's really internalizing these hate comments and it's very, very sad. She's been receiving a lot of attacks from everyone and because one of the behaviors in autism is not showing emotion the way you expect it to show, nobody's really noticed, right, that she's having a rough time and it's just, oh, it's so sad to me. I just want to give her a big hug. And then the next day, while they're taking the elevator down from the offices, Tweedledum makes fun of Tweedledee for singing the Penguin song for Jong Hoon. And when they get to the lobby and they're having a conversation about the case with Jung as well, Wu sees Jong Hoon getting out of a cab, but the cab driver is really flustered and mad at him. And we can assume that it's because he didn't pay. And she goes over to check on what's going on and she tries to do motions to try to get Jung Hoon to calm down and she asks the taxi driver what is going on while she's doing the penguin motion and the taxi driver is so per perplexed that someone's trying to do something about the emotional state of the man that he doesn't really answer Wu and Jung comes over with Tweedledee and Tweedledum and he asks what's wrong to the ta taxi driver and he explains that it is because Jung Hoon had not paid and so Jung just pays the, the taxi driver and he tells Wu to sit 
with Jonghoon while he calls for his mom and she comes over to pick him up. When the mom gets there, she thanks Woo and tells her she's sorry for what her husband had said to her and she tries to get Hanbara to take back the case without revealing the suicide attempt and she even suggests the insanity defense which is something that she had seen on the hate comments earlier saying that like oh of course he's gonna get off because he's gonna plead insanity and so like it's coming from all sides right now honestly this woman cannot catch a break this episode and she tells the moms she's gonna see what she can do in order to help and the mom also tells her after she says that she would check with Jung that it was hard for them as parents of an autistic child to see her being brilliant and autistic because they can't help but compare the two and see that it could have been like that because they don't know whether he'll get quote unquote better which I'm not even gonna fucking go into because it's not like that that's not what autism is like Anyway, she then goes into a whole spiel. She being Wu, when they're going down uh, the elevator with Jonghoon and his mom, into how Hans Asperger's, which is, I guess, the first person to conduct research into autism, didn't necessarily believe that it was a bad thing. But he was also a Nazi, so fuck that guy. And then we go to trial. The defense is trying not to bring up anything about Sanghoon's suicide and she examines the doctor during the trial who specializes in autism and gets him to explain what a meltdown is and how Jonghyun shouldn't really be held responsible for his actions with the intent to hurt the man because it's a behavior associated with autism and he can't necessarily help it like that. It's the result of a buildup of emotion and so he can't really control it. And I hope that you can feel my eye roll through the audio at what they're saying about autism, but sure. Okay. So she sits down, and I don't like how in the show they call it symptoms of autism, which is also a habit I'm trying to get out of myself, because that word kind of automatically feels like there's something inherently wrong in the person, and there is, you know, certain cases that are very difficult to grapple with if you are trying to help the person with autism, but that's not the case for every person and it doesn't really sit right with me though I can't really fully articulate why I don't like it I just know I don't like it <laughs> anyway when the prosecution gets up to cross-examine ex him this man is really doing his damnedest to try my patience this asshole gets the doctor to admit that Wu is also autistic in a very belligerent way because the doctor is like, ah, she's not really, like, I don't know her like that. And the only reason why I know she's autistic is because I've heard it before, but I've never really diagnosed her, so I don't, I don't really know. And the prosecutor just won't fucking drop it. And so, ugh, I'm so mad about it. And his stupid goddamn argument is that if she has autism and she is capable then they shouldn't be able to use the defense that he was mentally unwell at the time because all autistic people are the same in all of the times and because one person had a rough time due to their diagnosis one time that means that we attribute that behavior to everyone else who has that diagnosis and not at all change 
the situation and examine it in a case-by-case basis. That's exactly what that means and should mean. I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) I love it. Like, Attorney Jung, who's come a long way in uh, in just three episodes, uh, tries standing up for her, saying that the fact that she's autistic is actually irrelevant, but the judge allows it. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Why? Why would you allow it? Like, this is completely irrelevant. Anyway, Wu is obviously upset by this turn of events, and Jun Ho, who's also in court, notices, and later on, when they're in the office, he goes to check in on her, which is really, really cute, because he's trying to work, but he you can tell that he's been thinking about it a lot, that she was sad during the trial, and so he gets up and tries to go to her office to check in on her, and he walks in on her recreating the scene and simulating hanging herself. Which this beautiful man, this beautiful, beautiful man, mistakes is a real thing (laughs) that she's trying to do and tries to save her and holds her by the ass as she falls. (laughs) And on the floor, she has another revelation about the case. So instead of getting her shinbas back on, I'm pretty sure that's the Korean word for shoes, (laughs) she runs into Jung's office where the dad of the boys is to explain that when Jung-hoon saved her, I mean, to explain that when Jung-hoon saved his brother, it caused him to fall on his back, which explains the non-CPR injuries. So it can prove in court that Jung-hoon didn't cause the other injuries via attended assault, but rather they're a result of trying to save his brother's life. And Jung kind of like explains this to the dad and, and that like, this will help his son's case, but they have to bring up the suicide attempt in order to be able to use this defense. And the dad allows it, but if and only if, Wu doesn't represent him because he thinks that it will hurt the case. And I understand why he says that. Doesn't make me less mad about it though. Jung tries to get him to change his mind, but Wu having been attacked from all sides this episode is really feeling down on herself and accepts it because she recalls what happened in the courtroom and with the taxi where she tried to solve the situation but the taxi driver wasn't treating her like a person and was staring at her and with Junho's friend who thought that he was doing voluntary work by hanging out with her and Jung goes to Han, the CEO of the law firm to try to get her to change the dad's mind but Han just tells him to stick by her and also refuse to work on the case, but to give it to his rival attorney, Song Jun, who we meet immediately after as Jung gives him the case files. He's hanging upside down in this table thing that suspends you, which I would really love to use because I think it would help with spinal compression and probably help with that back pain baby but anyways he looks very sleazy and kind of greasy i don't like him and he rubs it in jung's face that he has to ask a favor from him i don't like this man i'm guessing we're gonna see more of him i don't like him so we go back to trial and sung jun gets the medical examiner to explain that the injuries most likely come from cpr and sung hun falling as his brother saved him the judge 
looks likely to rule in her favor, but because she asked Joan Hong direct questions as to his intentions and he can't answer them, she rules that he's mentally unfit, so they're unsure what's going to happen next, though Attorney Jung is hopeful that the judge will be understanding. So that's kind of like where that ends on the case. And it felt pretty unsatisfying that we didn't really see whether or not he got exonerated. I don't actually know if that's the right word for this. He got cleared of the charges. We don't actually know any of that. So that was unsatisfying. And then we cut to Jun Ho browsing through a store and he finds an unexplained black orb, which kind of looks like a speaker, maybe unclear what this black orb is. And he purchases it in order to give to attorney Wu as a present like i said this man is already heads over heels and i am loving that male pining it's so good it's so so good he intends to give it to her but he doesn't find her in the office because she's actually printing out her resignation letter oh no <laughs> because she no longer feels helpful and when that's ready, she goes to her office door and grabs a nameplate that she was so proud of at the beginning of the episode. And I'm not gonna lie, I almost cried. I was like this close. You can't see it, but my fingers are hair width apart right now. I was this close to crying. I'm gonna cry about it right now. I'm so sad. And that's where the episode ends. What the fuck? <laughs> she better be right back at it in the next episode, I swear to God. I can't handle this. I can't handle when characters that I like are having a rough time. It makes me really sad. Yeah, so thank you for listening. Please let me know what you think at koreandramarants at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I started creating an Instagram account, but I didn't really get far with it. It has no profile picture or anything, so you can try to contact me there because I would really 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 love to hear from you and hear your feedback um, so I'm gonna try to open up different avenues but otherwise I'll catch you all next week with episode four of extraordinary attorney Woo. bye